0: Hello there. I'm Lorenzino Estrada, along with my co-pilot, Christopher Holly, and this is Death Star Radio. Chris, today is a bittersweet day, as Season 2 of The Mandalorian has come to an end.
1: Yeah, it's, like you said, bittersweet, but also lots of exciting stuff to talk about, and I can't wait to run it through everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, titled The Rescue, it's jam-packed with action and emotions and it left us with many questions about din's story going forward so chris would you like to jump into a breakdown of the episode
1: yes so just just fair warning this is going to be obviously filled with spoilers as i'm going to run down the whole plot of the episode so if you haven't seen it this episode chapter 16 the rescue is something you need to experience yourself without anyone telling you what happens because truly you know Zeno and I watched it last night, and we wished we could go back and watch it again for the first time. Like, instantly. It was that amazing, so if you haven't seen it, pause this, go watch it, come back, and we'll talk about it. But here we go. To open it up, so as you said, Chapter 16, The Rescue, opens with Slave 1, the iconic ship of the Fets, Django and Bova, uh, attacking a Lambda class shuttle that is contains Dr. Pershing, the cloning scientist that we saw all the way back in episode three of the of uh, or chapter three. Is that correct? You Uh,
0: chapter chapter one, actually, because he gets the fob from. um Dr. Pershing comes in to give the fob to the client and then he gives it to Mando.
1: That's true. That's true. So, you know, he's he's been in this series for a while, whether even though it's kind of a smaller role and we get confirmed that he's a cloning doctor he's he's accompanied by two pilots who are flying the ship obviously and they can't shake boba fett and boba hits them with an ion ion shot that slows them down and boba boba latches to the lambda B, or lambda shuttle and boards them it's dinjarin when they open the thing open the open the door and doctor pershing clearly recognizes him. It's hard not to recognize a guy who almost kills you. <laughs> and um, he asks if the kid's okay. He says yes. And then all of a sudden we see the the allegiances of the pilots, one pilot being a true Imperial and the other one just kind of, you know, an Imperial that I don't think we've seen very often. He's He's doing it for a job. He's saying, I'm not with them. We can work something out. That's not true Imperial. So the other pilot just, Pops him, shoots him, and then we learn that that pilot was on the Death Star. He gets in Karado under caradune's skin, saying that he was there when Alderaan was exploded, and he rightfully gets a shot straight to the face. And um, <laughs> they take Pershing hostage, and they take the the Lambda class shuttle, and that's that's the that's the cold open to yeah, the beginning to, of the beginning of the episode.
0: Yeah, and and to add a little bit to that, I thought it was very interesting coming off of chapter 15 uh, which was titled the believer and a lot of people were saying that um the imperial officer that confronts mando and uh mayfeld in that episode he's the believer of that episode and i thought we see that we saw that also in chapter 16 with this pilot who um is just so in the in the roots of the empire that he he believes that he's going to go down with it all the way until the end And I really like how we've seen uh, how divided the Empire is during this time. Because, you know, on one hand, you have this pilot, like what you said, is just doing it for a job. He's not willing to die for this. And this other one is absolutely willing to give his life for the cause that he believes in.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to go on to that, this is the first time, I mean, we've all been thinking that the rebels were considered terrorists. You know, he he literally Mm -hmm. says that blowing up Alderaan, was one step into curing the, or I don't remember the exact line, of curing the galaxy of terrorism. And I thought that was a powerful line. Because it's something we've talked about. There were millions of people on both Death Stars, and they all died. I, I'm sure not all of them were, were bad people. So it's, it's an iffy topic, you know, when it comes around that. But once again, I thought it was a great opening. You know, that's something that just gets overlooked in this episode, because as you know, this this just gets crazy craziness. So once we get back from the title card, we see the next phase where Mando, Boba, Pershing, every, everybody in Slave One goes to some planet that we don't know um, to find Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves in a cantina. You know, it's almost like they all they do is eat. You know, last last time we saw them, <laughs> they were in a cantina, and they seem to enjoy eating. And um, these are the night owls. I mean, we only have two of them. I'm forgetting the name of the third one that we saw in um, the heiress back earlier in the season, but he apparently is not there. Hopefully, he's alive because that'd be sad if he wasn't. And um, they refuse. They refuse to help Mando in his quest for the child. And this is one of the best interactions of the entire episode, in my opinion. She then hears Boba Fett... Bo- Bo-Katan hears Boba Fett speak. And she knows that he's not Mandalorian. And she knows exactly who he is. Just because of his speech. Because she's worked with many clones. And we've seen that throughout the Clone Wars. And she knows that he's Boba Fett. She knows who her dad or his, who his dad is, which... She calls his donor, which is perfect. It's it's honestly amazing, and that leads to a fight between Koska, or yeah, yeah, Koska and Boba, and then you know they kind of the skirmish ends. Bocatan splits him up, and Bocatan realizes that, realizes that this could be her opportunity to get the dark saber from Moff Gideon. So eventually, she decides to help them out, and. Something else that I think we should point out here is we see Bo-Katan's ship when Slave One lands on this planet outside the cantina, mm-hmm. which we've never seen in live action. And it's massive. The thing's huge.
0: Yeah, it's a big ship. I didn't
1: expect <laughs> it to be that big, but nevertheless, it's, it's massive. So their plan is to take the Lambda-class shuttle into the, into the you know, what, what did they call that? The launching tunnel? Of the yes. of the uh,
0: light of the Arquintus, yes. class. yes, light
1: the cruiser. the the light the light cruiser that they call the Mosquitian ship, and um, they decide that they need to have Boba act like they're getting chased, so Boba needs to shoot at them from behind, make it look real, and once again, Boba calls Bo Katan the princess, which I think is. Once again, just amazing writing. It's amazing. I, I love their whole interaction, even if it is only for like five minutes. And you know, it doesn't go according to plan. They still launch TIE Fighters. They make it look as suspicious as possible. And they land they land cruiser and they you know, Boba Fett takes care of the TIE fighters, then blasts off into hyperspace and we don't see him or so we thought or so we think we don't see him for the rest of the episode and they get into the they get into the ship it's it's almost like and i'll be honest with you i'm a huge fan of the all female wrecking crew that we got with koska bokatan kara and Fennec. what what a great great little squad there they did not miss a single shot they were on full god mode going through that entire cruiser they get out of the ship pretty much like th- wipe out the entire hangar and then mando starts making his way towards baby yoda's jail cell where you know i guess i forgot to mention it there's you know 40 50 dark trooper droids on the way there that could basically end this entire episode and end the entire series and make us all very sad (laughs) and um it's Mando's job to go in there and seal them into their room before he gets to Baby Yoda, while the other four create a diversion as they head towards the bridge to get Moff Gideon. Now, Zeno, I don't know about you, the fight that Mando eventually has with the one dark trooper that gets through the doors, um, that he, he, he gets there as they're opening, he closes them, one is able to escape and he has this big skirmish with one dark trooper which basically goes to show that if he were to fight more than one Din Djarin would die and that's a very sad thing I...
0: yeah it it was it was good to see uh him fight at least one of these dark troopers uh i'm i'm glad that they weren't like the main focus of this episode and that he was able to take care of them you know, obviously we're still halfway through this episode, but he was able to take care of them pretty easily by sending them out through the airlock. But it was cool to see them, uh, to see one in action and just see how powerful they actually are. And I also thought it was really cool just walking back a little when um, Moff Gideon is on the bridge and he says, um, begin to charge the dark troopers. And you hear that really cool uh, dubstep. Tone with, or by Ludwig. Yeah, like the dubstep with Ludwig. And then it's like, it's cutting and you could see like every, every aspect of this dark trooper. I thought that was a really cool touch. And, you know, it really built the intensity. And that was something that throughout this episode uh, that involved the dark troopers, you know, it built in intensity, whether, you know, they were charging or they were uh, as they were walking or as they were, you know, beating down the doors to, to try and get to who they were going to attempt to destroy. But I thought, I thought they were used nicely. I agree. And once again, just the fear
1: factor you got from them was because most of the, like, I mean, I guess this goes to show, like, two different things are happening. The fear factor of the Imperial droids and the Stormtroopers that we've been known to make fun of for all of Star Wars. And we can continue to make fun of them as the Night Owls and Cara Dune and Fennec literally wipe out all of them. Like, they did... It wasn't even hard. Like, it was easy (laughs) <laughs> they make it. They, they they just continue through the ship all the way to the bridge. They get to the bridge, and Gideon's not there, and that's that's a big thing. But before I guess before all that happens, Din Djarin defeats the one Dark Trooper that he that he fights, and then he opens the bay door and sucks all the other Dark Troopers out into space, and they're gone for now. And so they so the Night Owls and friends, as I as I like to call them. They get out to the to the bridge. They wipe out everyone in the bridge, of course, because if you've wiped out the whole ship, why not keep doing it? And Moff Gideon's not there. Well, there's only one other place he could be. He's with the child. And when our our famed hero Din Djarin opens the door, we see little Grogu in shackles, standing next or yes, sitting next to Moff Gideon, who has ignited the dark saber and is threatening to kill grogu which i don't know about you that was this was one of the most suspenseful parts of the entire episode because i i know they couldn't they couldn't kill grogu there but it was still scary you never know moff gideon's that type of villain
0: yeah and again i think what this series has done it's 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 done a really good job at, at building suspense so even though you don't think that Grogu's gonna get killed right there cause you're like realistically that's not gonna happen there's still that thought in the back of your head that's like ooh this he could do that you know and and you're about to get to this point but Moff Gideon sounds extremely convincing when he's talking to Mando oh, yeah.
1: so once once Mando's in there he throws down his blaster as Gideon asks and Gideon basically is explaining the history of the Darksaber to Mando and Mando's like I don't care I want the kid that's all I want and You know, there's almost a shock in Moff Gideon's face, or at least that's what he portrays and goes, oh, well, all right, you can have him. I got the blood that I wanted for him, which we don't know what the blood was for, but I think we can all kind of piece it together and think it was probably for the creation of Snoke or Palpatine in some way. And he's like, all right, well, he turns off the Darksaber and goes, as long as you leave my ship immediately, you can have him. So Mando's like, all right, I'm I'm down. So Mando walks over to Grogu, goes to pick him up, and, of course, this is where he realize Moff Gideon, not being as skilled a fighter as Mando, realized that he needed to get Mando like surprise. He needed to catch him with the element of surprise in order to beat him. So he ignites the Darksaber, attacks him, hits him on the back, hits him on his jetpack, which, of course, is made of Beskar, and then every other piece of his body that's made of Beskar before he's able... Before Din Djarin's able to pull out the staff, and we finally get the best car, the best car uh, staff versus the dark saber, like we all thought was going to happen once Mando got it. And it's not a it's not a long fight, but it's a good fight. It's it's very exciting. It shows how skilled Mando is, and how you know not really skilled with it Moff Gideon was, but it, it literally just goes to show how. The dark Saber is literally just a symbol of power. No, not only is it a dangerous weapon, yes, but Moff Gideon clearly wasn't that skilled with it. But it just showed how much power he had over the people who wanted it. And I don't know if that if you agree with that, Zeno, but I think that's the. It's literally a symbol of power, and that's its biggest part.
0: Absolutely, I mean, it's a weapon that. That goes back to an era of Star Wars that we haven't even uh, seen yet. You know, it it goes back to the old Republic days. And um, obviously it has great meaning to the people of Mandalore and whoever wields it um, is the ruler of Mandalore, which makes it even more shocking when throughout this entire episode, Bo-Katan is saying, well, you need – I want Gideon and I need to fight him because he has what is mine. And then you see Mando and Gideon fight and Mando disarms Gideon and you're like, oh that means that he bested him in battle and he is now the rightful ruler of Mandalore. It, it carries so much weight, you know, that,
1: Yes, that and, I mean, it doesn't even like, honestly, Mando might not be very skilled with the dark saber either, but the fact that he has it is the important part. And so, you know, of course he bests him and he, he puts Moff Gideon in shackles and he brings Grogu with him up to the bridge. And, just as you said, Bokatan's eyes are like, what happened? And he Moff Gideon's like snickers and smiles and laughs and realizes that now Bokatan has to fight Din Djarin for the rightful to become the rightful ruler of Mandalore. He had to in order to get the Darksaber you need to best somebody in battle. And even Mando's trying to say, like, I yield. You can have it. She's like, no, that's not it, because the story is what weighs more. The story is the biggest part. Otherwise, she's a pretender, quoting Moff Gideon there. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, maybe a little bit of a continuity error there with how, Sabine literally handed it to Bo-Katan but maybe that's how Bo-Katan lost it in the first place we don't know how she lost it maybe she lost it because a lot of Mandalorians didn't believe in her because she didn't have the story and that's why she's so fixed on getting that story I think that that is a possibility but as they're as they're having their little talk there um, alarms start sounding off the dark troopers are back of course they're droids they can survive in space And all, all of them, all of them, except (laughs) for the one that Mando destroyed, land back on the ship and are marching straight toward the bridge. And, you know, how, I don't know about you, Zeno. I'm sitting there, how are they getting out of this? Like, there is no way they get out of this.
0: You knew something was coming, um... Yeah, with the amount of dark troopers and like Mov Gideon kinda of like taunting them, he's like, Yeah, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna have like a, a glorious end and in the end it's just gonna be me and the child still alive and you knew that this was not how Exactly. Was so as end.
1: they're marching up, they close the blast doors, the, the dark troopers are punching their way through the doors, and then a single X-Wing shows up and we get the snickering joke from Cara Dune. One X-Wing? Great and then it lands, <laughs> and we see who comes out someone in a robe, and then a uh, they they give us the black and white shot on the security camera of a lightsaber taking out a dark trooper, and then it cuts to the green lightsaber of someone that we know very we know is very familiar to everybody who watches Star Wars. He makes the dark troopers look like terrible they look like like b1 battle droids they look. Yeah, exactly. He walked in there and just eliminated (laughs) all of them. He used force push, force freeze, force crush, every type of thing, deflecting blasters, destroying everything. It was incredible. And then he walks up to the bridge, undoes his robe, and we see that it is one Luke Skywalker. And the best part about that whole sequence is Moff Gideon looking at the security cameras, and he's the only one who knows who it is. He is terrified. His face is full of fear because he's heard the stories. He knows who Luke Skywalker is. He knows what Luke Skywalker did. I'm assuming in the Imperial propaganda, they assume Luke Skywalker killed the Emperor and not Darth Vader. They assume Luke Skywalker killed both (laughs) Vader and the Emperor. And so Moff Gideon was thinking probably like, well, I'm next tries to shoot himself and Cara Dune's like that's not it. She knocks him out with the butt of her gun. And we get Luke, we get the beautiful swell of music. We get the unfortunate bittersweet sad farewell of Grogu and Din And Din takes off his helmet for the first time in front of all of the all of his his I guess, you know, acquaintances. I, I mean, the only one I would consider
0: I, They're yeah, best would, friends now. I would consider They're all best friends,
1: friends with Dune. But so he he takes off the sure, helmet. Yeah. Grogu finally sees Din Djarin for the first time. And Grogu then has a cute little interaction with R2 D2, which, you know, we could theorize that R2 might have met Grogu before at the Jedi Temple. Not sure. If not, it's just it's just R2 recognizing Grogu as Yoda species because, you know, R2 has a has a weird history with yoda to be honest with you but um Mm -hmm. yeah we get that cute little interaction luke skywalker carries grogu to the elevator he came up the elevator door closes season two ends or so we thought four or five minutes after you know four or five minutes might be too many after the episode ends we cut to the twin sons of tatooine and it pans left and we see jabba's palace or what remains of it. And we see Bit Fortuna over overweight. He he really let himself go. Sitting on the throne of Java's <laughs> palace. And we see Fennec come down the stairs, shooting Gamorrean guards, shooting everybody in her way, letting the the Twilight slave go, who clearly took the place of Leia. And she she lets her go. And followed by Boba Fett, who we haven't seen since they jumped to hyperspace. And Bitfortuna hits him with a half that we all remember. And Boba shoots him, pushes his pushes his corpse off of the off of the throne. Boba sits on the throne and he pretty much becomes the leader of the underworld, the crime world of Star Wars. And we get an announcement that a show called the book of Boba Fett will be coming in December of 2021. And that's how the season ends. And oh my goodness. I know that was a lot. It wasn't the smoothest delivery, but man, what an episode.
0: Yeah, it was just, it was fantastic. Um, obviously those last five minutes of it, not counting the Boba Fett, um, and credit scene is just, you know, that's what Star Wars is about, you know. Um, and we have this massive universe with all of these characters. Um, and it's nice to see it kind of interconnecting, you know. I know that's that's kind of a, of a sore point for some, for some viewers. But I think that's what um, makes Star Wars so special, that we have this massive canon. And the fact that we can have all of these characters that we know and love, like, interact with each other. That's what makes it so cool. And there's... There's so many questions um, at the end of this, like, what's going to happen to Grogu? Because right now, if, if if that's the way it stands, Grogu, is Grogu dead? Like, did Kylo Ren kill Grogu? Like, that's that's kind of the big question. How's that training going to go with Grogu and Luke? What's Mando going to do next? Um, you know, there's already confirmation for a season three of the show, but it, it leaves you wondering, you know, um, how they're going to... how disney and lucasfilm is going to go forward uh without their you know merchandising and marketing superstar yeah and
1: i think there's a lot of confusion out there unfortunately right now on whether the season three of the mandalorian is called the book of boba fett because mando season three was confirmed to be in december of 2021 um i'm hoping it's not because Mm -hmm. clearly there's a lot of stories still to be told with with Din Djarin holding the Darksaber and Bo-Katan clearly wanting it. And I think there's a lot of story to be told. Like, I wouldn't mind if we get a little break from Grogu and Din's, you know, relationship and he goes and tries to to take Mandalore with Bo-Katan, take it back for the Mandalorian uh, race. I think that'd be an interesting thing. But like you said, seeing Luke on screen again, and I know it wasn't Mark Hamill, and it was, we had the the CGI and all that but my goodness it was it was something that i didn't believe they would do i truly thought well there's no way they would do this that's why when you see them on screen i was like i don't think my mouth drew, like i don't think my mouth was closed that whole time it was just like in awe the whole time and i to say i'm excited is it's an understatement. The future of Star Wars is in a really, really good spot right now.
0: Yeah, and for season three of Mandalorian, I think it's it's been set up um, that we're going to eventually uh, see Mandalore in live action. And uh, we're going to go through this power struggle in the sense of, of Mando being the rightful ruler of Mandalore and Bo-Katan kind of behind him believing that that right is hers. I mean, she is the sister of Duchess Satine after all. So I think, um, you know, you introduce Bo-Katan into live action played by uh, Katie Sackhoff for a reason. And I think that reason of course is for season three to get away from that Grogu storyline, which we couldn't imagine them doing, but they, it appears that they are. And um, I'm really excited for that to just to be able to step away from that and, Go into a part of Star Wars that we've seen plenty of times before in the Clone Wars and Rebels, um, which is you know the Siege of Mandalore and and obviously all of the politics that that planet has. But uh, being able to to go into that live action and see uh, Mandu kind of transition from this uh, caretaker in the sense of Grogu to now becoming a leader of, of his own people, who he who he himself was exiled from for so long. You know, um, I just really love where where Din stories is going. Yeah, And I'm if, if hoping the that this Boba Fett series is a limited
1: series that isn't the Mandalorian, you know, like isn't because I read something today that was like, you know, how the Mandalorian has been in chapters and now this next, the next season is going to be called the book of Boba Fett. And I was like, well, that's interesting to think of it that way. But I sure hope it
0: ain't that way. <laughs> that way. Yeah, and and certainly feels like a finale. You know, when you when you watch the end of uh, this episode, you know, as the music crescendos and, and, you know, Luke turns around and he's holding Grogu and it's him, Grogu and R2 in the elevator and and it closes, right? It feels like, well, that that chapter has closed, you know, Um, literally. And it, it does make you wonder. I think that's why there's so much confusion around whether or not there's going to be a season three of The Mandalorian, but the storyline is obviously there. And Pedro Pascal is going to be back. You know, um, his stunt doubles just said recently that he is going to appear in, in other spin-off projects. Obviously, that could be assumed that it'll probably be Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic, uh, maybe other things as well. Um, but I I really hope, um, you know, I, again, it's confirmed, but all the speculation still makes me worry that we're not going to get a season three of the show, um, which I think would be a mistake. And and to be quite honest, I'm not entirely convinced about this Boba Fett show. Chris, I know you are extremely hyped about it, but, uh, you know, Boba Fett's always been a fun character, but he hasn't really, you know, reeled me in yet. You know, I like his story in this season, but, um, of course, I'm not going to complain about the new Star Wars show, but... Uh, I'm gonna need some convincing. The reason as I why you need convincing is because we
1: haven't got enough Boba Fett. He's been he's been pushed to the side, and everything exactly. he's done except for a couple of episodes of Clone Wars, Empire Strikes Back, he plays this character that kind of shoots at Luke one time and walks around, and then he plays a character in Return of the Jedi that gets killed by a blind man, and then he finally comes out and shows the true <laughs> Boba Fett in this show. And now we're finally going to get what Boba looks like. Now, there's a chance, I think, that Mando could show up in this series as well. Boba gets into some trouble. He realizes he needs somebody he can trust. And, it, I mean, you got to think Boba and didn't trust each other at this point, right? Or at least, like like, if they need somebody for a job, Absolutely. they can go get each other. I like to think that. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I really like the idea that he's become the leader of the underworld, like the leader of crime, because like, you know, everything went through Java, all the crime in the galaxy basically went through Java, you you did something wrong, you'd answer to Java. Now you answer to Boba. And I love that. Mm -hmm. That'll be really cool, in my opinion, because the thing with Java is Java couldn't protect himself. If you, if you double cross Boba, Boba will kill you. He won't. He won't have somebody do it for him. Yeah, he'll just kill you. Like I, I think that's a really cool, really cool thing that we're going to explore and it's Like, like you said, I'm more than excited for this. More than excited. And
0: yeah, and, and it, it's a different look at the Star Wars universe. You know, kind of going into that underworld. I think we got hints of that uh, in Solo, and that's something that I would like to see explored more. So if this Book of Boba Fett series is ingrained in that you know underworld of Star Wars that you know the crime syndicates that we've heard of you know the huts the pikes things like that. Um, I think then it has the potential to be a really good show. But in terms of the logistics for for that, are, will there be two new episodes a week for you know Mando season three and Boba? You know that's another thing that worries me about people saying like oh Mandalorian season three is not going to happen it's well are they going to have two yeah shows that's that's overlap? the
1: question is a lot like i have an article open right here that says you know very satisfying the the few call packs from return of the jedi and it sets up the mandalorian season three which will be called the book of boba fett by skies assuming that that is the third season hoping that's not true i don't think it's true I think that we could see them simultaneously come out, but I think this Boba series will be a limited series. It won't be eight episodes. Maybe give me four to six. Nothing crazy because then they they need some more Morrison for the Kenobi series as well for to be Commander Cody and maybe you need him in Ahsoka to be Captain Rex. Um, I I just don't see them making this too long. If it is eight episodes, then it's one season, nothing crazy like that and
0: uh yeah Morrison, exactly is a and see, man. <laughs> we were talking
1: about this in our last our last thing about Disney Investor Day. It's so cool to see actors actually like love Star Wars and love the characters that they're playing. Tomorrow Morrison obviously loves this. he's a huge fan, you know, he played Django and now he gets to come back and play all these other characters. He's a huge fan of that. No
0: chance. He's not. Yeah, And, and, and to go off of that, uh, Pedro Pascal really loves being the Mandalorian. So um, it would make me hard to believe that he's not going to come back for a season three of the show. Um, in addition to making cameos for, for these exactly. other spinoff off projects that now, are in the works. One
1: thing I did want to talk about this episode is, did this not feel like the most Star Wars episode to you ever? I felt like it did. Like, We had the Lambda-class shuttle, which, you know, the only time we'd ever seen those shuttles were carrying really important people like Vader, the Emperor, and -hmm. then our heroes stole one in Return of the Jedi, correct? Yes, but they stole it from very important people. Now we get to see that it's carrying the Clone Doctor, which is very important. And I think that's a really cool... Idea, we finally get to see Luke being a, you know, a true, you know, B, A word, whatever you want to say. It, it just, he was unbelievable <laughs> in in this. Uh, we never really got to see Luke just, like, chop people up like this. Now, granted, it was droids, but, like, yeah. it reminded me a little bit of, like, Anakin in the Clone Wars, seeing him just go ham. Yeah. I,
0: yeah, like exactly, father-like-son exactly. I seems, love that. Right?
1: Now, how cool would it have been? You know, one thing that I didn't even think about, he never said his name. So no one in that room except for Moff Gideon knows who he is, and Moff Gideon's mm-hmm. knocked out. And if he yeah. said his name, <laughs> what are the chances Bo-Katan recognizes the last name Skywalker? I think that that yeah, would have been cool. And that, two, that I think possible. the reason why they didn't have Boba Fett in this show was because they had Luke. Imagine Boba being on that bridge when Luke shows up. Because Boba would probably be like, <laughs> that is true. What are you doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, where's Han Solo? He's like, I remember you. <laughs> that would have been yeah. <laughs> crazy. I think that would have been awesome. But this this definitely felt Felt like Star Wars. We had, you know, a cantina scene, a fight in a cantina, obviously stormtroopers. We had a reference to the Death Star. um It just felt like Star Wars, and I was a huge fan, huge fan.
0: Yeah, and, and a big part of that is because you have a guy like Dave Filoni running the show with John Favreau, and obviously. The incredible amount of inspiration that they take from the maker of it all, George Lucas. Um, what I love so much about Mandalorian is, of course, you know it's not a perfect show; it has its flaws and things like that. But it's a show that is created by people who love Star Wars, and that's clearly evident as you watch every yeah, episode. Yeah, no,
1: you're right. It's not a perfect show, and I think it goes to show that when they announced Peyton Reed was doing this episode, the community was pissed off. And I was like, guys, chill out. Peyton Reed is a very well-established director. Yes, he directed, in probably your opinion and my opinion, the worst episode of this season, chapter 10. But you knew that like, he's a very experienced director and he's going to do just fine. So I think that, that goes to show, to prove to your point there, it's just having guys like Favreau on Filoni oversee every little bit of it it only makes me think what what a Taika Waititi episode could have been like this season, you know.
0: Or a, or a John Favreau episode because he was uh, he was behind the I at mean, the same time he was the behind the scenes, behind the scenes but he wrote season. a lot.
1: Like he wrote this episode, which I think is big because I think the dialogue yes, yes. in this episode is very good.
0: Yeah, and he's very busy uh, working on the other projects. That exactly, he has and Disney owns that along guy. With I'm Filoni. sure he's
1: working on something with Marvel with them as well. He's a, he's a producer over there. So he's, yeah, like you said, he's a busy guy. And, oh, man, dude, just what a – Star Wars just feels like it's in such a good spot right now. And if you told me that in December after I walked out of the theater of Rise of Skywalker, don't get me wrong, I still enjoyed the movie. I still like the sequels, by the way. Five-year anniversary of Force Awakens today. Um, But it's just... We're in such a better spot right now than we were a year ago. And it makes me so happy to say that.
0: Absolutely. And and the next year, it's going to be even bigger. Because we have Bad Batch coming out. um, Book of Boba Fett. Mando Season 3, Fingers Crossed um, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, and I'm sure we're going to get updates on a ton of projects. Hopefully if, um, you know, if we can get our act together and, and COVID can, you know, not be as serious as it is, um, we'll get a Star Wars celebration as well. Where we we'll get, where we'll get even more information about these projects. Um, but yeah, next year is going to be a just as big of a year as oh it has yeah, been, I, um, and we're year. gonna get
1: even more confirmation. Probably a Kenobi trailer, um, possibly an Andor trailer. Wait, is and- Andor's coming out next year? No,
0: I thought it was. 2021. Uh, I don't think it is. I'm, I'm sh- you might I'm be sure right. I mean, honestly,
1: with COVID, everything that's been delayed, I've been kind of up in the air about all of this because I never know what's like. Today was supposed to be the day that Dune was supposed to come out.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, we've had so many movies delayed, like still waiting for uh, No Time to Die, but we're Yes, it uh, says it's scheduled to be released in
1: 2022. You're correct. So, we're not getting Andor, but we could get an Andor trailer, which I think is important. Um, there, we keep, We're going to get a lot of information about these future series. I'm assuming we'll get more info on Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic. You know, like you said, the best way to end this is bittersweet is the perfect word of course i love what they did in this episode it felt like star wars it just felt right but it's so sad to think that we have to wait so long for another star wars project but hopefully the bad patch gets here quickly and uh we'll have more to talk about when it comes to the to the tv slash film side of things
0: yeah and you know outside of the bad batch the next big thing is is Lego Star Wars, you know, the Skywalker saga. And um, we don't know when, you know, obviously with um, a lack of Star Wars content, probably in the months to come, uh, we don't know when we'll be back to do an episode of Death Star Radio. But uh, we can assure you that the next time we get some some content for Star Wars, we'll be here breaking it down and giving you oh, yeah, theories and all of that.
1: Well, we do. And, you know, if you watched our, our predictions in other Mandalorian episodes we had here you can tell that we were very good at it we knew exactly what was going to happen no i'm kidding (laughs) we we both you know (laughs) knew the possibility of luke being in this but we didn't know the true possibility like i thought oh it'd be cool like it would make sense but there's no way but it happened anyway and wow just wow the the amount of excitement that me and you both have, I think I can speak for both of us, is
0: is immeasurable,
1: and Death Star Radio will be alive and well for a while. So even though Mando's over, keep uh, keep your eyes out on us. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll come up with some creative ideas, and you'll hear from us sooner rather than later.
0: Absolutely. Well, with that.
1: Man. I think uh, I think that covers it for me. Zeno, would you like to add anything?
0: Uh, no, just excited to, to continue this podcast with you, Chris, and can't wait for the next one, whenever that is, whatever we're talking about. So uh, until May then. May force be with you. There you go. All right. I think so. <laughs> Happy holidays.